Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Tom Dines. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good, you? Not too bad, thank you. I've just won the rugby, so uh, it's all good. Decisively. <laughs> uh, and Essex are about to win the county championship, so all good there too. But yeah, we, so we're going to talk about some retailers today. We've had a, a reasonably busy week on the retail front. Yeah. And Algie Hall, how are you doing, Algie? Very well, thanks, John. Excellent. We're going to talk about your stock screen this week, which Excellent. is the, uh, the very unpolitically correct titled 10 Cheap Small Caps on Steroids. <laughs> uh, and you can explain to us what that means we'll, we'll come uh, very shortly. But but <laughs> unusually, we're going to start with seven days this week, because I this has been a... There was some crazy stuff on these pages here. <laughs> I mean, this is the craziest collection of news I've seen in ages. And we've got Boris Johnson at the centre, and it's been a crazy week in Parliament, mm. which you won't go into because we're not a political magazine. But th- I, I, I was drawn to this story on the uh, the far right of the page, Ocado Sue's co-founder, which I think you uh, you wrote Tom for uh, to help Robbo out this week in Emma's yeah. absence. <laughs> That's right. So basically, it came out. I think uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, basically, that Ocado was uh, suing one of its co-founders, uh, alleging they literally used the words corporate espionage. Oh, that sounds quite, that's a big claim. It is. Weirdly enough, the shares barely moved at all. Needs to say the the co-founder being sued has sort of dismissed the, the claims. But uh, essentially, he set up a company that was advising Waitrose on their sort of online offering or was waitrose has uh, since been scared off allegedly by the uh, all the sort of kerfuffle that ocado's kicking up good news mark spencer then <laughs> potentially yeah, absolutely yeah yeah so. uh, what else i mean there's some other crazy stuff on this page uh we work i mean that's possibly the craziest uh yeah potential sure, idea we've had this like these issues have been coming for ages though i mean we've i'm pretty sure we've written that i mean yeah. well, what is going on here this is this is just insanity yeah. and it's unraveled quite quickly this ipo yeah. and now the uh the founder has been asked to step down yep. so they can get it away at all at a much lower price, it seems, than they were initially hoping for. It's just, yeah. it's just absolutely mental. Yeah. Also, yeah, investors just won't actually buy into these things, which well, is quite. Well, it was it was a technology valuation on a real estate company. I mean, you know, you and I, you and I, Algie, have covered re- uh, real estate over the years, and one of the companies we've both covered was Regis. Yeah. And you know, this it's just basically Regis, isn't it, in disguise? Yeah. yeah except I, I, mean, I think they can they charge higher rents because they kind of trendy. Because they're quite trendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trendy is not a business model. Uh, and then we've got Metro Bank on the bad week. I mean, this yeah. is not a great. And I wrote about it. And yeah, yeah, not getting it. Some um, very expensive bond issue. But this, yeah. I mean, that's a very odd situation. There, it's it's, yeah. it's a troubled organisation. The shares are down ninety three or four percent this year. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been comp- the equity. I mean, has been completely um, trampled on. But um, it's quite. I mean, it's it's quite a worrying situation for investors. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, how, it, does, it, how does it, this end? The fact that a bank is, um, you know, raising money at seven point five percent, I think it was, or trying to failing to raise money. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, well, it said it had postponed you, it due to market it. conditions. Yes. So yeah. let's give it the benefit of the doubt that it's going to come back and be able to raise it when market conditions have got better. But uh, indeed, but it's still whatever. But if but if they do, they're paying such a high coupon. It's a massive and that money. Coupon. I mean, you know, putting putting that money to work, and you know, you're you're going to be making a loss on it, presumably, in every um, all, you know, all all the way through. And and Alex Newman's actually written about the story in detail in the news pages. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, go and have a look at that. I mean, on the subject of very expensive debt, 
Algy, your headline of the week, which doesn't appear in the magazine because it's on the Tip Updates page, but uh, Aston Martin have always ra- also raised some money this week. Yes. And it's cost them, I, it's cost them a fair old whack yes, to do it. I, I believe the headline was, I've been expecting you, Mr. 15% bond. Is it which 15%? Is, it's 15% <laughs> well, there's two tranches. There, there's aren't a there, delayed tranche, which if they do raise it, which is conditional on them getting enough orders for their new SUV. And then they can raise money at fifteen percent. But they have issued unsecured. They have issued a bond at twelve percent. I think it is. Yeah. And um, so I mean, they, I mean, you know, these these kind of rates attached to bonds for equity holders, um, a, a massive red flag. Um, we again, it's a share that we've been negative. We, on yes, since yeah, the yeah, beginning. yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah, Phil um told people to stay away from the IPO, and then um. We had, we put it on a sell in the tip section of the magazine, but I mean they're, they're just betting a huge amount on um, these um, SUVs doing well. Essentially, it's kind of it, it looks like if that doesn't happen, goodness knows what does. Um, and I mean also they were compared to Ferrari when they were floated, or people you know that 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 was a comparison that some some people wanted to make. But I mean you look at it them now where you know Ferrari doesn't pay for the money it borrows pretty much. And and they're and they're having to um, borrow it twelve percent. I mean, it's, it kind of looks like a laughable comparison. Yeah, I, I mean, Tom, uh, I say Thomas Cook, Aston Martin has had a bit of, <laughs> bit of a checkered, checkered corporate his, history in this respect. Yeah, Thomas Cook, <laughs> yeah. it's all over. Well, yeah. It's all and over. And they had a which very checkered well. history prior to this. But yeah, no, that's um, no, no one, no one stepped into the breach there. Well, they were supposed to be being. Essentially recapitalized. A Chinese company, Fosun, was supposed yeah. to be buying buying this, and it, it just basically all fell apart yeah. this week. So it's yeah. become a big, big sort of uh, both corporate and political news story because obviously the government has had to kind of step in to get people home. And, I mean, uh, also, I guess you know, if we're, if we're looking for lessons, those kind of things which you look for, companies which have been in trouble get bailed. I mean, Thomas Cook, I think it was. Um, I mean, it wasn't long ago that it had a big refinancing. Last time round, and, and it's just got into trouble again, and, and it's got you know the well, I mean you know it's, it is no more, but it, the the history has been one of you know bailout after bailout. Some businesses are just in part you know in 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 um, parts of the market where they, where they just run into trouble, and it's very hard. They're very hard to make any money out of. Well, I mean, it, it was essentially, uh, as I describe it, my editorial, a ticking debt time bomb. I mean, it just <laughs> had so much. Yeah, debt. yeah. And it, it just kept kept on running it up. Like, um, a, like a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Except the never, never has, uh, has not quite worked out here. It's, uh, it's actually come to an end. Talking of too much debt, this is something that, that struck me in the stock screen. Let's move away from this crazy seven days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, let's let's move crazy, to uh, crazy stock screen. Crazy stock screen, <laughs> uh, which you describe yourself as so wrong is right. <laughs> yes, well, that's, I think that's the only way. I mean, this is based on um, a really interesting uh, paper which was written in uh, 2015. And... Essentially, the, the the premise of the of the paper, the I mean, it's actually it's being used. The, the people who wrote the paper actually have a, um, a kind of quant asset management company now, um, putting it all into practice. But um, the premise was private equity makes all these claims about how it's kind of like it's so wonderful at managing these turnaround situations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Actually, if you break down the figures. The reason why they've done so well is simply that they buy things on very low multiples, which are loaded up with debt, 
and then as the debt pay down go happens the um the um the re-rating is is massive because you know you're just transferring value from uh the lenders to the shareholders when you have extreme levels of debt that transfer is magnified especially in the early stages and and i guess that which is why i mentioned why the segue from debt to the stock screen is is important is because you are reliant on that debt yeah trans you know that debt to equity transfer actually happens yes so so this screen just go um, it, it looks for cheap companies which have huge amounts of debt which basically is completely um at odds with conventional wisdom for value investors who want to have a margin of safety. And when you have loads of debt, you don't have a margin of safety. I mean, the other thing that the, the screen does, it, it, it um, values companies based on EBITDA. So that's before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. And the type of companies which look cheap on those kind of, mul- uh, on those kind of um, comparisons, A, they have a lot of debt, so they have a lot of interest, which is being ignored by the valuation. And also they tend to have a lot of depreciation because they're very capital intensive. So so essentially you're ending up with a whole load of heavily indebted companies, um, a lot of which have real, you know, ongoing capital needs. So you've you've got lots of hard stocks in this screen, for example, because they they borrow to invest heavily in the equipment that they then rent out. And, you know, it's very cyclical and, you know, a very risky um, business. I mean, it sounds utterly awful. It sounds it, doesn't it? <laughs> but the but, performance okay, has been but, really good. But yeah, the historic performance from this paper is very good. And um, last year, um, I mean, you know, I've only run the screen for one year. The, the performance, I mean, it had some notable, terrible kind of share price collapse in it. But overall, it, um, the the screen delivered a 34% total return. And the, and, um, the indices which um, I, 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 the stocks were drawn from, they were down 10%. I, I guess, I mean, the, the thing that jumps out from the, the 2018 performance table is, is the kind of divergence between the best performers and the worst performers. Yeah, yeah. It's so, got some absolute shockers in there. So, yeah, so you had um, Flybee, um, which I, I think there was just a l- tiny sliver of, um, you know, value from a takeover at the end. Basically, it got wiped out entirely. But then you've got, um, yeah, what, what's at the top? Um, a company called Trans- Trans-Siberian Gold, um, which has uh, uh, made a two, 240%... Um, Return. So, and, you know, but, but also you look at that and, um, you know, you buy a small, heavily indebted um, miner and then the, um, the price of the underlying commodity moves and, um, you know, the shares of the miner just go, you know, stratospheric. Well, you've got two gold miners in the uh, and, and yeah, top five there. Exactly. I mean, and then, um, I mean, probably the least odd company in the, well, in the top three is Pets at Home, which had an amazing run. And looked like, you know, it looked horrible at the time the screen picked up on it. It's having all kinds of problems. And, you know, it's still got problems. But um, You've got another retailer in there, although it's a retailer of rather more expensive items, Pendragon. I, mean, mm, I know you've been looking yeah. at car retailers recently, Tom. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, That's surprising it's, to see it down there at a minus 58% <laughs> return. <from> the- <laughs> Not surprising at all, actually, but... I mean, how, how, do you think, how do you think the car dealers are looking at the moment? Uh, so I've been doing, looking at this a lot, and they're, they're kind of the it's a cyclical industry anyway, and car registrations are down. Seems fairly likely that they they could recover, but the main thing that people should be looking for is just a strong balance sheet. They need to be able to ride out what's happening at the moment. Not everyone's going to, or if they make it through, they'll be significantly smaller. Um, so just. The kind of the the ones to look for are the sort of strong balance sheet, low debt, high returns. Yeah, 
yeah. quality companies, basically. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the company you've picked out from your 2019 selection, uh, Algae, is, uh, is uh, to, to, to analyse in more detail, it's not, it's not the best in terms of the metrics looking at, at the list, but, but uh, it's the most interesting. Well, it's why, well, yeah, actually, online there's HSSR as well, but um, we didn't have enough pages in the mag to... I'll <laughs> oh, get on the website and have a look at that. But uh, Finsbury Food. Yeah, yeah, Finsbury Food. Yeah, it's, um, it is quite interesting, Finsbury Food. I mean, it's been spending a lot recently. It's been through a big investment program. Um, and now it's, and, it, and it's done some restructuring, closed quite a few bakeries. And now it's coming out of that, potentially, you know, if, you know, if we were, if we're being um, optimistic and, um, you know, everything goes according to plan, it should start throwing off cash. And it should start benefiting from the investment. And so, you know, profitability should start improving. It should start winning sales through investment and things like, um, free, yeah, free from and come on the go foods. But, um, well, it, it but, works with, it works with kind of major branded retailers. Yeah. It makes a lot of own brand stuff for these sort of, these exact, sort of companies. Yeah. And it, and it, and it has, and it licenses brands. So, I mean, on the flip side, it just doesn't look like it's in a very powerful position. So I've kind of, um, wh- one of my questions with it is: so, who's going to actually benefit from this? Will it be the company itself, or will it be um, its customers, essentially? Um, and um, and which is, you know, always it's always the case when you have these, um, you know, companies supplying, un- you know, unbranded or hard, you know, hard, uh, products which don't really have pricing power, power to big powerful buyers. It's something. There's always a kind of question mark over their operations. They always send us a big bag of cakes, though, on, uh, on do, Results yeah, Day. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's enjoyable. I mean, you do have an objection to something this company's doing. Oh, well, it's just, it's just, which, I, which I think is a very fair objection. It harks back to what we were talking about I, last I mean, week. This was, and this was true of when I was going through the HSS results, so I think I kind of picked it up as a theme. Which is, I mean, when when I, when when I when I kind of tend to look at companies, and what's generally you know most people would advise to investors is you start by looking at the numbers and like you know letting them take you to note the notes and things like that. So you start to find out about the company, and then and then you you start to read read around it more. And normally, you know, oft, often you're kind of like you know you're prepping yourself for kind of what the type of answers you want to find. Uh, when you're going through the company statements, I think, and Phil's uh, Oakley's Back to Basics piece last week talked well, about this actually. Last week was the income, the income statement. statement. This week's the and balance this week's sheet. the balance sheet. Um, and both exceptional articles in terms of um, just you know making sure you you know you're thinking um, in a, in a good way about going through a company's accounts. But um, it was with with these two companies, it was just like the the difference was so stark. It's, <laughs> you're seeing one th- you. You're being presented with one narrative from the from the numbers, and you got to that the headlines numbers they were reporting, and it seemed like what well, you know this is this is this is really just a world away from what I'm seeing. You know, I'm seeing in your actual um you know full you know income statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement, etc. I mean, would you not see that as a red flag? A company that will you know is not I, I presenting find, itself I, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I I just I kind of I kind of ask why from a practical standpoint. You know, you're meant to be communicating to investors. So this, so this Finsbury Food, I, I suppose, what I've kind of pointed out is that they've they've changed their their head the the headline summary of their results to take out all the underlying figures because the underlying figures showed this kind of squeeze they've been feeling. Which they didn't do in the previous and, year. Yeah, and that the, but the exceptionals have dropped massively. So the statutory figures look blockbuster, you know. 
Um, but that's just because the exceptionals are down. They're not, they weren't closing bakeries this year. So, and so it's just like, you know, it just muddies the waters and it just, it just, but, it, and, and then it kind of also just feels, you know, God, it's, it's really quite desperate if you're having to, you know, not have an honest conversation, um, you know, in, in your results. It's a, it's a, it's a somewhere where, ma- you know, the management of a company hopefully sp- speaks to shareholders and tells them what's going on without, you know, wanting to, you know, put a positive spin or negative spin, just wanting to kind of actually communicate the strategy, how it's playing out, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, no, so I, so anyway, I, I kind of, um, I, yeah, definitely made, made me feel uncomfortable. Um, like, well, I, <laughs> the, I guess the, the presentation, just the way the presentation's kind of changed also just. And I think we should make an appeal to companies and, and their advisors. Absolutely. Don't do this. And it also is transparent. It's like, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't, it really doesn't take much to just kind of, Read the headline numbers and read and actually read the numbers in full and just realize that really that you know the the, the you know the the case being made with the headline numbers if it is you know not fully reflective of what's going on it's you know it's plain to see mm, and just yeah you know it just doesn't feel good i mean one, one company that phil and i discussed last week because he wrote it up in his alpha report was next mm. uh, who who cannot be accused of doing this yeah it, no no they, it, yeah, they, they are a very yeah. consistent reporter yeah. um very very well transparent yeah. you've written them up in the magazine this week yeah I was do, you just... like, do you like it i mean you, you like him what's going on uh, here? i love the company don't love the price basically and you're absolutely right on, on the transparency they've uh Essentially, the story with Next is the high street business is not doing as well as anyone would expect. Uh, online business is doing great, and that's what's kind of been uh, pushing them up. In fact, uh, the online overtook the uh, bricks and mortar business in terms of sales. But they, the growth of the online has led to some issues with the warehousing. And if you go to the, the uh, results, they spell out in tons of detail with diagrams and everything about their supply chain why this has happened and what they're doing to fix it. So it really is like it's a case study in transparency. And and are they going to fix it? I mean, the share price yeah. is fantastic this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you, I mean, you're you, looking at this this story, are comfortable that yes. what they presented to you suggests that they are on top of this potential problem? Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've got sort of eight, next 18 months uh, and then next three years plans, but they've also sort of done things in the immediate term to uh, get like a hold on it now. But you say you don't like the price? It's just quite expensive, isn't it? It's sort of a uh, significant premium to its uh, two-year average. And, I mean, like, last two years, the the real issues with retail have really kind of kicked off more recently, I feel. I don't know, though. I mean, I know what you mean. Mm. I mean, the, you know, the, the, you would think of, of retail as being just this, you know, never-ending series of horrible stories. <laughs> but the companies that you've written about this week, I mean... Mm all look like they're doing okay. So we've got uh, Boohoo as an example. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a nice looking share price too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that's absolutely absolutely true. Um, the thing with Boohoo is it's, it's just the, the growth is just staggering. And with the Karen Millen and Coast acquisition, uh, just the online businesses, uh, which is an important point to make because they're because of that they're sheltered from all the sort of the issues on the high street. If they can pull off though, sort of integrating those acquisitions and making them appeal to the slightly older target audience. I was going to say, isn't it a very different target audience for Boohoo, which is primarily or has traditionally been primarily aimed at the younger shopper? Karen Millen is more for, yeah, it's... it's yeah. I, I hesitate to use, the word, to use the word mature, but, you know, it's, it's what city city women would yeah, use yeah, to yeah. wear. Yeah, so typically, um, and it, these numbers will change depending on where you look, but 
the kind of core boohoo offering would be kind of 16 to 30. And this is like nasty gal. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have I said that correctly uh, the- <laughs> without sounding like a horrible old man? <laughs> yeah, it's that kind I of stuff. I don't know. No, I, I, I think I, I think I've made a right mess of that. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's the kind of core, and then I think it's like twenty five to forty five is what Caramel and and Coast kind of. End yeah, at. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it is it is a significantly different audience. I suspect that the 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 difference in sort of how each audience consumes things is overplayed. Anyone 25 to 45 I know, they're not technologically <clears throat> illiterate. They use their phones, they use social media. They, they use screens and they consume content that way. They're perfectly happy, happy to be flexible in that way and they're perfectly happy to shop online. So I think that the, the kind of gulf between where Boohoo is and where it could be is not as deep as everyone would have you believe. Yeah, I mean, it is quite interesting what... Boohoo is doing mm. uh, specifically with these acquisitions, which have quite deliberately sort of dumped the bricks and mortar side of things. In yeah. the context of your cover feature last week about yeah. Mike Ashley, who's taking kind of an opposite bet. I mean, Very he, much he so, believes yeah. in bricks and mortar. Mm. And you know, I, I, when we were looking at that feature, I found some evidence that that actually a lot of shoppers are going. Actually, I quite like shops. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of I'm struggling to work out where we're going here. It's I, it's, I don't think it's either or. The people, the, the some of the people who do really well at Next, for example, Jules, who are also in this issue, uh, they're really good at making them work for each other. So there was a f- statistic uh, for Jules that 20% of uh, transactions within the store come from an online purchase. So it's click and collect or um, you're in store, you don't have some, they don't have something in your size, so you order it at the till. So there's there's ways to make the two separate operations enhance each other. And I think that's really where we go. It's what we call omni-channel. Yeah. Multi- yeah. Omni-channel, multi-channel. What's uh, the difference? Algae will throw up if you use the word omni-channel. <laughs> <laughs> horrible, horrible word, isn't What's it? the difference anyway? Oh, God, nice. I mean, all you know, <laughs> it's all selling stuff, but it's just... <laughs> is it an American? Um, is it an American? Is it? We, I, we had a little I debate d- this week around C-suite. C-suite, oh God, yeah. No, I mean, all, all these words, they're just unnecessary, aren't they? Any any, any word which um, kind of, you know, muddies the water, no thank you. But I mean, yeah. also, I mean, with, with, with retail, I mean, it's, you know, because obviously you get these um, cycles and, you know, in, in, in supply and a lot of capacities kind of come out mm. of retail. The You know, the landlords are feeling it, so they're offering, you know, better rents on better yeah. terms. I mean, you know, there's, there, there is that question of, What's the point when um you know when supply catches up with where demand's gone, mm. and maybe demand does you know maybe the trend in demand isn't you know going on for as long as people maybe you know think think it will. So I mean there there is potentially going to be that kind of you know cyclical um you know change change yeah. in this industry. But if yeah. you've got if you've got retailers that have survived you know the the, mm. the worst period of trading, you know it it potentially leaves them in a stronger position to to renegotiate. Yeah. With their Absolutely, landlords for yeah. example. And I know that, that next do do that. Yeah, so next uh, they've been renegotiating. They've secured an average reduction of 28%. Oh, I mean, it's massive. It's huge. And you you would think I mean going back to to Mike Ashley and Sports mm. the Rex, he's yeah. doing the same. I mean yeah. you know, he's a big presence on the high street now. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, yeah, one of the things he said to go back to uh, your point, Algy, he said it's going to be a much smaller pond, but uh, the fish are going to be much bigger, and I want to be one of those big fish. Yeah, you can see fair argument. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's classic. It's that kind of you know, it's the consolidation that mm. kind of tends to happen around the bottom of one of these cycles. I mean, you know, who, who knows? It could you know, it could get worse and worse for retail. Mm. So I'm not you know, I, I'm not kind of making 
any big call on it. But I mean, it's just it's just those kind of dynamics which work ha- what happen in a cycle. Kind of you know you can see them playing out definitely. Yeah. I'm going to chuck you a little bit of a curveball here, Tom. I overheard a conversation between two young women on the train talking mm-hmm. about online fashion retailers and Boohoo came up and you know I was rudely earwigging <laughs> and they they had an issue with Boohoo in terms of you know it being a very low quality fast fashion retailer yeah they were sort of it sounded like they were pushing back against that Would, that 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 you know really low quality disposable clothing almost yeah this is a big thing uh, across the whole well not just fast fashion but fashion generally mm. just the the environmental cost of especially fast fashion because it's it is incredibly disposable and it's a lot of the way that these business models work is you, my girlfriend, for example, would order maybe five items that and she might maybe keep two. She would try them on. Oh, I'm not sure about that. And they do free returns and stuff like that. So the, the carbon footprint and the wastage of these foods, the, not foods, clothes that end up not being sold mm-hmm. uh, is massive. And it's something that, well, we've written about, uh, I wrote about it a few months ago now and, uh, all of the companies are really jumping on. You, you'd have to, you'd have, you'd have to really struggle to find any of these companies that aren't like, making great pains to tell you about their sustainability statements mm. and what they're doing and what initiatives they're signed up to. But, it, but even clothes that people have actually bought and worn. I mean, mm. I, I'm getting the impression that they're worn like sort of maybe you know once or or, or twice, but that's right. kind of it. And yeah, 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 it's definitely a concern. That's the kind of that's the X factor for the fashion industry. Is who's who's going to be able to position their brand as we are the kind of the good environmentally friendly one you see asos sell clothes that are made of recycled plastic and stuff like that so it's that's comfortable yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> works for shoes if it was like i don't know a vest maybe not yeah so much. D- d- does, does the caramel and coast acquisition help them sort of move up the quality ladder a little bit i'd say so yeah. I, I always understood their clothes to be pretty pretty you know if yeah. not high end, you know, well made, absolutely, yeah, stuff yeah. that you want to keep. Slightly more uh, well to do, which I suppose is just sort of could be the exact same person, but slightly older, a bit more disposable income, a bit more willing to sort of spend on on quality and, and wear it for longer. So yeah, it certainly certainly helps with that side of things. I think it's quite interesting. I do think that's a big risk in this industry. I really do. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, even even as it's recovering, which it appears to be, looking at mm. the share prices, I, I do worry about that. Yeah, yeah. but there you go. 2019, the the year the world became woke. Yeah, well, uh, let's, let's not talk too much about that. Let's talk about chocolates. Uh, Hotel Chocolat, Chocolat, however you want to pronounce it. Yep. Had some results this week. Again, nice looking share price graph. Again, looking like uh, a retailer on a sort of, at least a share price recovery. Mm. trajectory. never really been anything wrong with the business. No, but, no. Um, uh, Just talk us through the results quickly. Is really sort of promising on all fronts. So they're doing the international expansion into the US and Japan, uh, which seems to be going well. It's loss making at the moment, but kind of initial tests are, are very positive. UK businesses seems very resilient. They've they've created a sort of membership benefits scheme, which signed up 900,000 people in the first half of the year. You get like discounts and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, Lord- Did people really buy enough chocolate to... Warrants a I mean, membership. <laughs> apparently, apparently, yeah. Uh, also, they're launching a ton of new products, ice creams and stuff like that, which uh, which are, seem to be going very well. They're, they're really accelerating the kind of trials and stuff like that. So it seems to be firing pretty well on all fronts. Yeah, there's only one, one uh, sort of slight uh, fly in the ointment, which is this possibility that the cocoa price is going to yeah. bounce back. It's actually it's at a, a 
kind of you know, multi-year well, low at the moment. Well, but there's, there's a bit of an issue there. They, they own a portion of their own supply, don't they? Yeah, some have so already got plantations, could, haven't they? Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's yeah. It's quite quite a funny business. I mean, you know, vertically integrated, mm. and they call it. But um, but there is there is a bit of a problem in in one of its in one of the big chocolate producing regions, Ghana. I think mm. uh, it's uh, what is it a, a disease linked production shortfall? It's a bit worrying, isn't it? Doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, no. On one hand, there's that. On the other hand, there is kind of the increasing demonization of sugar and sugar taxes and things like that. They are moving out of sugar, more into cocoa uh, on a continual basis. So there's, if you buy, buy in the knowledge that you are obviously exposed to cocoa prices, but uh, they're kind of shifting away from sugar, which mm. potentially. It's, it's been a long standing buy, had a good one, and, uh, yeah. and we, we, we've kept it on a buy. Um, I mean, I, I talk about all this uh, good news from the retail sector. There is one company this week that you covered, which is a slightly uglier price chart. And it's a business, I cannot get my head around this business. Card factory. <laughs> and we had a chat about it. So I just don't, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't get card businesses. Maybe I'm scarred by, by sort of the history of greetings card retail. Because obviously Clinton's went through the, the mm. ringer a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I mean, what's, card factory always sort of claimed they had, they had something slightly different going on here. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I'm just, I just don't get it. I, I wouldn't say that I totally get it. I mean, it's, they, they're doing well on some fronts. They're, did a trial with Audi, which has been rolled out, and they, they seem to be making good progress with these partnerships. The obvious risk with that is they also have their own stores, and it's not as though it's difficult to find a place that sells cards. I mean, my local high street, and it's not the biggest high street, but mm. it must be, there's two independents, there's WH Smith, there's Marks and Spencers, go down the road, you've got Tesco yeah. and, and Morrison. and Plus all the online companies now, you can buy cards through Facebook and... I, I, this does not seem to be a market that's undersupplied. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder what their competitive advantage actually Jeez. is. Yeah, they I, say there's no ca- cannibalization, but I, I think I mean because it, it's, it's it's a funny one. I always find because I've always you know it's always it's got a good story because because the competitive advantage. Also, you know what what they what they'd say is that they own they have Vertical from design to sale. Yeah, and mm. and and then they and that you know they can be very flexible. And the and the leases are very flexible on the shops. The rents are low. They've had uh, they've had Clinton, you know, run into trouble. So that's taken capacity out, and then which you know should allow them to fill. Apparently, card sales are very defensive, but it's it's a business. That's right. You can't, dis- you can't not buy your mama well, a birthday exactly, card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a business which I don't know. It just seems to have you know ups and downs I mean, this, all the way this expand over the rate of expansion i mean mm. what is it 20 26 new net new stores in the first half 50 for the i mean that's it's a lot neck. it's a lot yeah yeah absolutely you don't like these shares i mean you've, you've kept them on a sell yeah it's the retail environment is, is tough enough they, they have returned to growth but there's just not a lot there to love in my opinion no I, nothing that really makes it oh this is interesting there's no sort of great change or well, they've just opened, they've just opened a new store near me. It's in this mm. kind of this uh, trading estate that that White Sports Direct's open a number of other. And I just look at it and think, why are you there? Mm. Why there? Where's the footfall? Where's the passing trade? Where's the? Yeah. It's just a weird thing. They don't seem to sell thing. enough other things as well. If you go to like a paper chase, where they've got all your stationery and wrapping paper and stuff like that, less so in card factory. My kids love paper chase. Mm. There's something, there's something trendy about it, isn't there? Yeah, it's like. Uh, I guess you know W H Smith strong suit, isn't it? On, on the high street is um, stationary. Stationary, yeah. They 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 do people, like that as yeah. well, actually. Uh, people, yeah, people like a kind of like posh stationary shop. 
yeah, or kids, they, I think. They, Actually, my daughter's, yeah. <laughs> she would spend a fortune in stationery shops if she wasn't shouted at. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Whenever she tries. Oh, no, stationery and trainers. Stationery and trainers. <laughs> JD Sports, obviously, being yeah, a huge beneficiary of that. Okay, it has been a crazy week. And surprisingly, retailers doing pretty well. Uh, and, and cake. Doing pretty well as well, unsurprisingly. Cake and chocolate. Um, let me just talk you through else, what else we've got in the magazine. Uh, sex folks are looking at construction. Lots and lots of results. Hasn't seemed to have let up all summer. Uh, it's getting rather tiring now, but hope you enjoy reading them. Lots lots in the magazine beyond beyond retail. Lots in the personal finance and fun section. All the usual tips. Second second feature is another accounting feature. This one um, being about revenue recognition uh, by Philip Ryland. With a new rule change coming in there, which potentially will remove some of the issues we've had around revenue recognition in the past. Lots in the news section. Sainsbury's, we missed that, Tom. What's going on there? Well, they've finally said something that the market seems to have liked. They've, they've had a really tough time of it ever since the Asda deal collapsed. But they, uh, with their Q2s, they released a plan to overhaul the store estate and they're stopping issuing new mortgages through their um, Sainsbury's bank following sort of uh, behind Tesco, who obviously sold their mortgage book to Lloyd's. Mm. It was there last month, maybe a month before. Um, Stick to the knitting. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think the Sainsbury's store estate is in desperate need of an overhaul. It's a massive um, overhaul. The last time I went to a Sainsbury's store, which was actually to pick up something from Argos, which I'd ordered online, yeah. it was, oh, it's not a nice, it's not the place it used to be. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, we, lost some, it's lost some ground from a sort of pleasant shopping experience to, uh, to Tesco, I think. Sure, right. sure. Well, the, the Argos thing is a, is a massive thing. They're closing up to 40 Argos shops and moving more of them into the supermarkets, like... like like you saw, there's one in the one near me. Mm. That that's a big part of it. The other one's moving into convenience stores as well. Interesting, Massive great, you, great new ads. Argos have uh, mm. got going at the moment. Really, really, really clever. Properly creative, old school advertising. But there you go. Uh, Thomas Cook and Metro. We've already discussed there in the news section as well. And uh, Allied Minds, which is uh, a, a tech investor that uh, that has some uh, Woodford link, which um, which is in uh, in wind down. Um, which is worth a look at. Um, the cover feature is really interesting this week. We, we we decided to look at alternative assets. So, and I know, what did you write about, Tom? Classic cars and handbags. Classic cars and handbags, yeah. I think you know more about one of those than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I actually spoke to, have you ever seen uh, Posh Porn, the pawnbroking show? Maybe. So I spoke to uh, James Constantinou, who is uh, the guy on that, who's extremely helpful. About handbags? Handbags and classic cars. You know a bit about cars already, though, don't you? I do. My my dad is a, a Land Rover Series 1 enthusiast. So okay. my entire childhood was spent in or around an engine. I could have. I could think of worse places. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I, I spent my entire childhood in, at a tennis club, which was built on an Edwardian rubbish dump, and I spent it digging holes and finding Edwardian bottles. <laughs> <laughs> which are actually quite collectible as well, believe it or should, not. Should have included that. But, but, but yeah, yeah. Oh, God, there's somewhere in the garage. Loads of stuff in there. Art, gold, all the usual stuff. Wine, mm. obviously, uh, if you can avoid drinking it. So, yeah, uh, alternative profits, uh, treasure assets being the uh, subject under discussion. Thank you for listening. Thank you, uh, thank you, Algy. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, yes. We'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, get along to the uh, to the news agent, pick up a copy of the mag, or get online and subscribe. Alternative profits: ten unusual investments that could shield your wealth from market storms. Thank you.